HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Why is Heritage Radio Network important to you? HRN is very nostalgic to go into because it's really the only place that you have this really warm, homey experience to watch people get together and talk about the things that really make a difference. It's really fun when I ask guests, do you want to be on Heritage? And they're like, Roberta's yes, 100%. I believe that we all are really trying to bring people together. I think getting more people excited about good, local, well-crafted food and away from big ag and tasteless commodity food is so important. It's kind of an honor to be sitting there with somebody in a space where so many other people have sat. Join HRN's vibrant community of thoughtful eaters. Become a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Lead me in the kitchen. What are we going I'm Nico Whistler. This is Queer the Table on the Heritage Radio Network. For this week's episode, I'm talking with Ingrid Nilsson. In 2009, Ingrid started a YouTube channel called Miss Glamorazzi. It was focused mostly on beauty, fashion, and lifestyle. In the 10 years since her channel launched, Ingrid became the first YouTube personality to represent CoverGirl. She was a judge on Project Runway. She interviewed Barack Obama and has been recognized by Out Magazine, The Trevor Project, and the United Nations. She's a superstar. Ingrid's most recent project, and the reason she's joining me on the show, is called Cooking with Pride. It's a web series made in collaboration with Tastemade. Each episode features a queer chef telling the story behind and teaching Ingrid how to cook one of their favorite recipes. I first learned of Ingrid in 2015 when she released a coming out video on her channel called Something I Want You to Know. The video went completely viral. Today it has nearly 18 million views. 
And I wanted to start our conversation by asking her about the decision to make that video and hear about how her career shifted afterwards. You know, I came out because I think for me, what's always the catalyst for change is that um, staying the same becomes scarier than making the change. Um, and that's the point that I was in. I was in this point where, you know, I had been reflecting on just my personal history and feelings that I've had over the course of my life. And um, it was all just really coming up to this boiling point and I had to make a decision. And um, it was really hard to make that decision because in so many ways, if you looked on paper, you know, my life was great. But on the inside, I was really struggling because there was this part of myself that I had really stuffed into a corner, locked up with a bunch of chains and just tried to ignore and push it away. And it just got to a point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. And so... You know, I ended up coming out to myself and then coming out to people who are in my personal life. And the last piece of that was coming out to my online community because, you know, my work is, there is a piece, a very large piece of it that's about who I am as a person. And I, I didn't want to hold this part of myself back. And when I posted that coming out video, it just, it was like a huge relief and then also really terrifying at the same time. Mm -hmm. I remember posting it and walking away from my laptop because I couldn't, I just didn't want to be consumed by the outcome of the video. I just knew that I did what I had to do and I didn't want to become obsessive about what everybody else would think about it. Um, and I ended up going on a road trip with some of my best friends up to Maine. And that was a really great way for me to disconnect. And I remember my friend Eileen at one point had told me like, uh, I think it was like two days after the video was posted that it had 5 million views. And I just remember telling her, don't tell me anything more. Like, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I just I wanted to be in the moment, and I didn't want to get caught up in you know what was happening on the internet. And so after doing that trip and reconnecting with you know what was happening online, it just I mean the fact that so many people watched the video was astonishing to me. I was not expecting that response because it really was a video first and foremost for myself and to see the impact that it had on so many people and the messages that I was receiving from people um, just telling me things that I never even thought about before, like women seeing themselves in me because I'm more feminine in my presentation. And it didn't mean that all of the things that I've loved before, I don't love anymore. It was really remarkable. And I think at the same time, too, because I was the first woman who's mixed race, who was in the beauty community, who had a substantial following feminine in my presentation, who came out, it was a shock to people because 
you know, there were the people who were like, well, you don't look like you're a lesbian. Um, but then I think even people who weren't saying that they just, they just didn't expect, um, that to be coming from me. And so it was a surprise. And, you know, I, I do think this is important to mention about my coming out experience publicly with that video. Um, up until that point, a lot of the people who had come out on YouTube were young, white, cis male, and they received a very, it was a different response from what I received. There was much more of a challenge in terms of like the response that I was receiving, like people saying that I was lying and that I just wanted attention. You know, there was a very positive response, but there was a much larger negative response where people wanted to challenge this truth that I was telling them. And I think that is a very crucial part of that coming out experience. And it's something that's important to talk about because, you know, all of those factors that I mentioned played a role in why people responded that way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And I can kind of see, I feel like the threads of that, of like that silencing in even just like who you are including in cooking with pride, um, which is so huge. Uh, and we're going to get there. <laughs> um, but I, I guess by thinking about that video and kind of all of the different projects and work that you have now and um, yeah, all of the ways that your career has hugely expanded. I wonder if that video and the response uh, changed the way that you saw your platform or changed the way that you saw yourself as a media maker. Yeah, I think it did. Um, It was something so personal to share and to see how sharing that piece of my story allowed other people to, you know, maybe start coming into acceptance about their story or um, find acceptance or start exploring what their story is really made me think about, okay, you know, what is the path forward for me? And I think that so much of it has been Um, listening to my instincts. I think that, you know, coming out was an example of me listening to my deeper self, those deeper instincts that I have, and also recognizing that there is so much power in this platform. And like, what are the other ways that I can use my platform to talk about things that are important to me. And I had already been doing that in smaller ways, even before coming out. But I think coming out for me was kind of this, like, it made me just feel like the sky was the limit in terms of, you know, the directions that I could go in. And I really just started tapping into anything and everything that I felt really strongly about that made me mad, that made me frustrated. Um, And I always feel like that is kind of a a good gauge to follow, like the things that are frustrating to you or the things that make you really angry, because Mm -hmm. ultimately 
anger signals is like a need for change. And um, I think following that anger for me has been a really wonderful guide in terms of deciding what it is that I'm choosing to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Stay tuned to hear how following the rage and some joy led to Ingrid creating Cooking with Pride. You listen to Heritage Radio Network because, let's face it, you have really good taste. You care about where your food comes from, who made it, and its impact on the planet. Whether you're looking for an inspiring interview with your favorite celebrity chef, the latest on Dave Arnold's Spinzol, or if you want to get down and dirty with some agricultural policy, we've got you covered. 10 years in and 13,000 episodes later, HRN continues to be the go-to media outlet for thoughtful eaters, like you. And we never could have done it without the support of our listeners. Help Food Radio continue in the future and help us raise enough funds for the year to come. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate today. And since you've got such good taste, we have some very cool member gifts for you to choose from. Thanks for listening and for being a part of the HRN community. Okay, welcome back to Queer the Table. Um, I'm talking with Ingrid Nilsson about her new series co-produced with Tastemade called Cooking with Pride. For the show, Ingrid hosted a rad lineup of queer chefs, including Michael Twitty, Mac Elliott Jarvis, and Parisa Parnian to teach her to make one of their favorite dishes and to tell the story behind it. I wanted to know why, with such a huge platform out of every avenue she could have pursued, Ingrid decided to start a cooking show. Well, I've always loved to cook and, you know, cooking was definitely a big part of my upbringing, just food in general. My grandma um, and my mom are both from Thailand and I grew up with my grandma living in our house and she cooked a lot. We would also go to other people's homes and there would just be a wide range of different foods to choose from, whether it was different kinds of Thai food from different regions or different kinds of Asian food. It was just always a very community-based activity and also really diverse as well in terms of the food that I was exposed to. And so when Tastemade came to me and was interested in collaborating for a project, I was really interested in doing something around food because I think it's a great space to often have like difficult conversations or deeper conversations with people. And I just thought that it would be a great collaboration to use their experience, their connections. And then I get to come in as the student and learn from all of these queer chefs. It was just super exciting for me because I love cooking. I cook on a very regular basis, but to be able to learn from different queer people and learn about dishes that are personal to them, it just felt like such a special experience. Definitely a like follow the joy experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally. And I guess with that, I'm thinking about like, you could have just made 
a cooking show? Um, mm -hmm. Like, what were the kind of conversations around, like, no, this is going to be a cooking show about what happens when it's queer chefs and a really diverse group of queer chefs in the kitchen? You know, I am really grateful that Tastemade and I were on the same page about this because we were very much in the mindset of the story and the conversations come first and then the cooking comes after that. So it's not so much about, um, you know, like the traditional cooking shows that you might see on TV that are just like very instructional. Yes, you can learn from these episodes how to make these dishes, but that's not at the forefront of the episode. And I think that really created when we, you know, we went into shooting the show, I was just much more relaxed and at ease because my expertise is not professional cooking, but I do feel like I am in my space when I get to just talk to people and ask them questions and be curious. And so it really was the perfect setup for me because I didn't have to go in and pretend like I was an expert about anything. I got to go in genuinely wanting to get to know more about these different people and their life stories and um, my job was to illuminate those stories and illuminate the history behind the dishes that they were sharing too. Yeah. How did you go about figuring out who were going to be guests on the show? I, I don't know what your what your process was like, but it seems like you were also mindful of who is not often, I guess, behind the counter uh, in any cooking show space. Um around sexual orientation and gender identity for sure, but also around race and class background. And I wonder, yeah, what was your process like? Yeah, I mean, Tastemade presented, you know, they um, were going through people that they thought would be good and they sent over a list for me and I got to do my own research on each person. And I just think that because we did have conversations beforehand about the show and representation and just making it, I think, ultimately a more interesting show because it is reflective of more reflective of what the reality of our world is like. Like we were just on the same page about what we were aiming for, which was really great in terms of the concept. And so when I, you know, went through the list of people and I started doing my own research, I was just like, oh my God, I am so impressed with all of these people. And they all have such a different story. You know, it was hitting all of these things that were just typically not used to seeing and like it just felt so full going into each one of these interviews because they were so incredibly different at the time of our interview there was one episode out now there are six and Ingrid was pretty clear that she didn't come into this as an expert so I wanted to know what she had learned through the process of meeting the chefs and hearing their stories and trying out some new recipes I think one thing that I just kept hearing over and over in every interview was that there was a lack of queerness just in the kitchen. Um, and, you know, some of the people that I was talking to, they had never worked with another 
out person in a kitchen before. And that I think really opened my eyes because I think a lot of times, especially when we're going out to eat, we're not really thinking that much about what's happening behind the doors of the kitchen. And it really made me think, oh my gosh, like these people are in these places every single day. And a lot of them have been doing it for a really long time. And for them to say that they really haven't worked with another out person before was a big deal. And that really stuck with me. And to also see people at different points in their careers too, because we were talking to people of you know, various ages. And I thought that was really important too, to show, you know, what it's like to be a young chef in a city who's like moved and left home and trying something different and someone who has, you know, decades of experience and like how they're thinking and what their creative process is like. And that was another thing too. I asked I think almost everyone about how they viewed, um, you know, their creativity and food and, you know, everyone just saw it as this huge creative outlet where they were able to express elements about themselves. And, you know, some people were making food that was representative of, you know, what they grew up eating in their hometown. There's another episode where we're making um, a Persian wedding soup and how that was just culturally a really big deal to be able to make that soup. And then, you know, the coming out story that was just literally embedded in that soup too. And I could totally see why that dish was so incredibly personal. And it was just so layered. It wasn't just, well, here's a rainbow cupcake and that's it. And I think sometimes like that's what we're used to seeing is just like, here's this rainbow thing. Mm -hmm. And then that's that. But everyone had such a deeply layered story behind everything that they were making. And also like the technical aspects of it too, like learning how to make sausage from scratch. I was like, this just technically is like a really intense process. And to be able to see your people just really diving in and taking these like technically intense processes and making them their own and making art out of them was really incredible. Totally. Queer people can do anything. Uh, I love what you said about like the rainbow donuts. I feel like so often queer food is oversimplified to that. And it's like, no, food is so at the root of all of our stories in so many ways, like in really beautiful and in really painful ways. Um, I feel that a lot. I wonder like what what is your hope for this project? Like now that you've released it out into the world, what kind of ripples do you want to see from it? I would love for people to just walk away with a sense of curiosity, you know, whether it's looking into the food that we made and wanting to learn more about how could they could make it at home or make an element of it at home. I hope that they are curious about the chefs themselves. And I hope it gets people talking to people who are actually in their lives to learn more about the people 
around them because I think that everyone has a story around food. And even if you ask someone, you know, what's the food that, you know, that you grew up eating? Like that's a story within itself, no matter what your answer is. And I think this in particular, I really, really hope that people walk away just with a larger understanding that queer people are just so expansive and there is rich and meaningful history in the things that queer people are making and that this is something so incredibly special because food is so personal and this is actually something that you're putting in your body. And it's really just, you know, not all queer things are rainbow. <laughs> like they are other things uh. <laughs> as well. And they have deeply rich stories. I have a lot of hopes, but those are kind of all of them in a nutshell. These are big hopes. I sort of feel like Ingrid brought us right back to where we started this season. Queer food stories are radical and transformative and vital. And I'm so grateful to all of you that listened along with us and in doing so became keepers of those stories. This episode was the last of season one. We're going to take the next few months to work on season two. That will come out around Pride. There will likely be some bonus content and mini episodes. So make sure that you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. And if you liked what you've heard so far, you can help other people find the show by telling your pals about it and leaving us a review on iTunes. One last huge thank you to all the people that have made the show possible thus far. Uh, Denali Gillespie wrote the theme song and inspired the name for the show. Natalie Uduella did our logo and the entire team at the Heritage Radio Network for their unwavering support. And again, to you, dear listener. Okay, till next time. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.